I'm Sarah Miller, and welcome to the final episode of our podcast series, Understanding the Buyer Journey. Today, I'm joined by Cameron Leggett, Executive General Manager of Development at Fraser's Property, to discuss how house and land buyers compare new homes to established properties throughout the purchasing journey. Welcome, Cam. Hey, Sarah. Good to be here. Uh, So, Cam, can you tell us a little bit more about your background in property and the Fraser's story? Yeah, no, sure. Um, I started in property in, I finished uni in 1996. So I started in 1997, um, started life as an assistant uh, property valuer um, and then through the late 90s got qualified and and spent a few years valuing. And then like a lot of Australians, uh, travel beckoned and um, it was a bit of a rite of passage and I went over to uh, the UK and uh, ended up living in London and I wasn't sure whether I'd work in property or not, but I ended up getting a good property job actually doing landlord and tenant work, which is, um, you're not a property valuer in the UK, you're a property surveyor. Um, and it had a bit more of a retail bent to it. And um, I probably realized at that point that there was a, probably a life outside of strictly valuation. And um, so when I returned in 2004, I joined Macquarie Bank. I'd finished a master's of finance. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I worked for Macquarie where I became an associate director um, for six years and did some time in the US. And then in 2010, I joined Australand, which is now Fraser's in right. their Queensland business um, and was lucky enough to run one of their, their large projects up here in Queensland. Um, and then in 2013, got a great opportunity to become the state manager. So it was a state manager from 2013 to 2019. And then mid last year, got the opportunity to take another step forward um, and, and, and now the executive general manager of the development division, looking after that side of the business nationally. So it's been a, um, yeah, it's been a great ride so far. Fantastic. Uh, such a varied journey. I'm really looking forward to seeing, uh, getting your insights on and your experience on uh, some of the uh, things that are affecting the developer market at the moment. Uh, so uh, in our previous episodes, listeners will remember that Stacey Lewis and Paul Wolf joined me to discuss market conditions and display homes and their impact on the buyer journey for new house and land buyers. If you missed any of those episodes, you can catch up by visiting the 2020 Developer Insight Series hub. If you haven't had a chance to visit the realestate.com.au development hub yet, I suggest you head over to the site now to download the Understanding the Buyer Journey data pack. And we'll be exploring some of that data today as we unpack established properties and the role they play in the buying journey for those looking to purchase new house and land. All right, so let's kick off, Cam. So I wanted to ask first, so um, part of our research shows that um, 83% of buyers uh, consider both established uh, properties at the start of the journey uh, to buy established properties. And then when they start narrowing down to new properties, that's only after 14 months of looking at established. Uh, and interestingly, half of those in the initial stages are thinking about new apartments too. Um, why do you think it is that buyers sort of have such a broad range of options? Yeah, look, it's a, it's an interesting start. And when you think 14 months, it's actually a lot, like it's quite a long period of time, mm. isn't it? Um, but it is, look, I guess buying a property is a big purchasing decision and a lot of people, it is a, a big process in terms of saving up a deposit and, and preparing to get into the market. Um, I'm not surprised to hear that established homes, uh, you, you know, make up a, you know, that large percentage to begin with. Um, look, when you think of it, the bulk of the property market is a, is, a, is established property. Um, 
and um, you know when people start out for them to be considering established properties makes a hundred percent perfect sense so whether you're a first home buyer that's currently renting or upgrading looking for a larger space chances are you're already in established home Um, and so your frame of reference is is defined by that that experience Um, I think a lot of people are also thinking about staying within a prescribed neighborhood um, or or a suburb that they already know um, or perhaps want to move into a neighborhood with a uh, you know a specific you know specific character it might you know they might really like the amenity or um, the parks or you know some element there which again lends itself to being established Mm. Um, and then there's also sometimes a perception that they might not be able to afford something that's new or um, or alternatively their initial thoughts are when they start out on the buying journey was what we find sometimes is that um, the new home is in an area that they probably haven't considered um, and, and, and is a bit unfamiliar to them. Right. Um, yeah, sorry, yeah, go, the, jump in. <laughs> so how, how do you then make, uh, get people to sort of, how do you push them towards that new home, that house and land package? What What's the, the process for sort of, I guess, changing their mind or opening their mind to, to potentially buying uh, new and buying house and land? Yeah, I think um, I'll answer it in two parts. I think the, look, I think the, the thing we do find is through that buying process, um, you know, people will sort of, you know, look through the, the established uh, market or places that are familiar, but that, um, they will then start to, you know, get a clearer picture of where things may sit for them. And then sometimes it's, um, they realise that they mightn't be able to afford the established area or they don't want the maintenance or the upkeep that may go with, you know, an older style home or a mm. secondhand home, an established home. Um, so they start looking further afield and then, you know, start exploring. I think for us as as developers and uh, creators of, of new, new places, um, if we, you know, I guess, it, you know, it's not so much about going out and trying to find, you know, you know, trying to rope these people in. It's it's more about us creating great master plans, great products, great typologies where strong communities and, you know, strong amenities coming in so that when they do turn, you know, when the search broadens or when they do come and have a look at what, you know, we're creating, they think, wow, this is, you know, this could be, you know, this is something that I really want to consider. And how do you create that vision? Because I imagine that's one of the challenges is a lot of the places where you're selling, uh, you know, if it's a first release, for example, there's not a lot of that um, amenity that that they can sort of visualise. How do you how do you create that experience for them and enable them to visualise, you know, what what it's going to be? Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Look, I think um, the uh, the early, you know, you might term them early adopters. The people that come in and buy in that first initial stage are taking a leap of faith. There's no doubt about it, um, because, like you say, there's normally not a lot on the ground. Um, we we obviously behind the scenes put a huge amount of work into planning and and mapping out how you know this this new suburb or this new estate or this new development might ultimately be. Um, but it's, you know, people are normally buying in a sales office, a, a, you know, a, a, an environment which is, is you know, it's, it's a, you know, normally a replica of what it might, you know, might look like in, mm. you know, three, five, ten years from now. So there is a huge amount of trust that's, you know, that, that goes with that. We, you know, we work very hard to um, 
try and get as much amenity in place up front as we can. Um, so we try and for you know we try and get a you know parks in or, or amenity pieces in day one so that their time so that by the time the you know people turn the you know the key in the door and walk through their new property that that there is an you know there is amenity um, within the the new development. Um, so you know that's definitely something that we we try to do. Um, and this is where I think um, being a developer that's been around for nearly a hundred years and having that strong track record um, around our projects comes to the fore because uh, people want you know, they are, they're putting faith in you that you will deliver on what you say you want, you, you're going to do. Um, and I guess, you know, that's, you know, we, we pride ourselves in doing that here at Fraser's property. Um, so it's um, yeah, that, that also, you know, definitely weighs on the buyer when they're making it, you know, making a decision of that nature. Hmm. And what do you, what do they see and, and, and what do you see for them as the biggest benefit of them deciding to go new over established? Yeah, look, it's, um, I think, you know, buying a new home is a lit or a new apartment or, you know, a new townhouse, whatever it may be, is some ways like a new car. Like it, people do love being that, um, you know, that first person through the front door. It's all pristine. Um, it's, it is, everything is new. It's, um, it's, you know, it's, it, it is a lovely, look, I even, you know, I love walking through the, you know, our new projects and mm. you, you sort of, you know, you're there the few days before people are settling and, and you do walk through and go, it, you know, I think to myself, God, this is lovely. How good, you know, how good is this? So there is that, you know, that feeling of you, you're buying something that is, it's never been lived in. It's, it's very exciting. You know, you're the first one there. Um, I, th- I think the second thing is that you do get to, you do get some input into, the way the property is potentially laid out, especially in a house and land package, mm. you know, a house and land sense. Um, you can work with the builder around a, a layout or, you know, getting it, you know, to work for you and your family or where you think your family is going to be in the coming five, seven years. And look, um, you know, the, the onset of COVID we're seeing now more, more people obviously valuing a place where they can obviously work from home. So, you know, those elements you can design into that new property while when you're buying something established, um, you, you normally, you, you're within the four walls and the confines mm. of what's already there. So, you, you know, yeah, sure. You can renovate, but, um, a lot, a lot of the times, you know, the, the inherent structure of the building will dictate what you can, you know, how you can alter that property. So, um, so I think that, that, you know, that flexibility, colour scheme, selections going, yeah, I know I picked that stove, I did the, you know, like a, you, you get to personalise the property. Um, and look, the other thing we really do see is also there's, there's this, um, I don't know the best way to describe it, it's like a legacy piece, but it's, mm. um, it's almost where people see it as this blank canvas where they can almost make their memories and mm. they're coming in to a, Normally, you know, in a lot of our our developments, they're coming in to a new place with similar-minded people. So right. a lot of the demographic is similar. So you're coming in, it might be, you know, people have got kids in a, a you know, a band um, and, you know, they're getting to, I guess, take that journey with others and create a community and, you know, build new friendships. So there's that element as well, which um, we do see play out. And look on, it's, yeah, look on... <laughs> some of our projects now with social media and whatnot, you, we've seen, you know, you're seeing people buy and they're actually then connecting through Facebook pages or, you know, around the project and, mm. and they're meeting up and getting to know their neighbours before they've even, 
you know, moved in, you know, up the road. And yeah. so it's a, it's, it's, yeah, it's just interesting to watch that play out. Fantastic. And is that sort of something that you use like an element, that community aspect um, to sort of nurture those leads? Because obviously I would imagine versus someone buying an established process, the pro- uh, property, sorry, that the lead time can tend to be a little bit longer if you're buying new and you know what are some of are they some of the levers that you would pull to sort of keep people going and push them further down that funnel yeah no yeah definitely um i think you know and we've seen it um, through covid that connect people being connected and feeling like they belong um to neighborhoods and to community um, has become more heightened in mm. you know in the last six months, and I think that was a trend that was was definitely pre-COVID, but it's just a, if anything, it's accelerated mm. post-COVID. So, look, we'll, you know, we do see people coming in, and one of their buying questions now is who else lives there in the community, and oh, how do you know how do you how do you you know is the community active? Are they friendly? So we now look within our, you know, within our Fraser's team, we've got community development um, officers and managers who work with the projects, um, and and you know their sole focus and sole role is um, to try and assist in connecting the community and building mm-hmm. the community. So they'll do that through a range of you know ways, and it'll be some simplistic things with you know basically organising you know fitness groups or organising book clubs and you know, or just, you know, forums where people can meet and connect. Um, but what we found, and look, we've had oh, that in place now for probably, I'm going to say, three or four years. Right. Um, it has been exceptionally well received. Um, yeah, they become, you know, they obviously get to know the neighbourhoods exceptionally well, but it just really fosters this um, great spirit within the developments. Um, and, um yeah, it's um, people really cherish it. So it's sort of a, it's this weird look. It's this weird situation at the moment where um, you know you could argue people are more connected than they've ever been through social means. You know, over social media and and the you know the usual pl- platforms. But mm-hmm. people feel so you know disconnected and lonely at the same time. So it's um, you know we've really seen this role as a real important element. Fantastic. And is this something, you know, obviously COVID is, you know, it's something that we can't not talk about at the, you know, how do you see it changing? I mean, you've mentioned sort of more, uh, you know, people wanting to work from home and and really nurture that community. Is this, um, do you envisage a, a change to the way that you plan out those communities or plan those, those house and land packages as a result? Is it, is it something that um, has almost been a natural progression or is it something that you've sort of really had to sort of pivot the buzzword of 2020 yeah, yeah. Uh, pivot to <laughs> uh, in the last sort of six months? Yeah, no, good question. Oh, look, I think we were trending there, but I think what COVID's done is, 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 is it's accelerated it. Mm. There's no, no doubt about that. Um, and um, look, I think we're still learning what it all means. Um, like I was just looking back through my calendar and it's, you know, it's, early September now and uh, you know I was looking back through in early March and I was in Melbourne and then I was flying to Sydney and I think that feels like about four years ago now at the moment <laughs> like it's just it's amazing how time has lost all sort of sense of you know what it means in the last six months because so much has happened but um no I think um look I 
I think there is no doubt we are going to, we're going to see a different pattern of how people work. Um, look, I don't think the office is dead or anything like that. I think people want to connect in the workplace and it's going to be key to culture. But mm. I do think you'll see people um, working potentially, you know, three days in the, in the, in an office and maybe a couple of days at home mm. um, because people have really sat back through this COVID period and gone, wow, like I don't need to, you know, if I can gain the hour each way because, you, know, you know, most people are in big cities and it's not like you can just drive up 10 minutes and you're at your workplace. Um, they've, they've gone off. I cherish that extra time. I get to drop my daughters to school. I get to do something, you know, I get to go for a walk or mm. whatever it may be. Um, they've, it's, they've, you know, it's created a, a, a much higher and better quality of life. So I think what we, you know, we're already seeing that people are definitely, you know, you've got to be, have, like it's, you've got to have good internet connection. You've got to have dedicated study spaces. I think you'll see, we're starting to think about it in, you know, we've got a few new projects coming up in the, in the coming years and we're thinking about how we plan out the community facilities. You know, do we look at more flexible spaces where people could maybe um, come and meet within, you know, a development and um, have, you know, work from, you know, have office, office dedicated office areas, things like that. So, you know, they mightn't be going into the office, but if they, you know, if you've only got a small two-bedroom apartment, or a smaller townhouse, you also don't want to sit in the townhouse all, you know, for two days either. So you might go, oh, I can walk, to, you know, I know I can just walk down to the community centre and there's all the rec, you know, the rec centre and there, there might be half a dozen offices where I can go and plant myself and, and work there for the day and I can actually then interact with people in the community as well. So I think there's going to be a new way um, that we, 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 you know, we plan our weeks and, and we work. Um, and um, look, to be honest, I think, look, you know, it's, it's it is a, a shift. Like I'm a Gen Xer. I you know I grew up in the in the days where FaceTime was critically important, and you know you sat there and you you were there with your you know your manager to the end, and you worked big hours. Um, mm-hmm. So it has been a like for me personally, I'm like oh this is quite a different way to think about things. But I think it's great. I really do because I just think if we're getting more out of our work life, uh, work and life balance, it's a it's a better situation for everyone. So. Fantastic. Well, Cam, I can't wait to see how it pans out for you. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's been really great to sort of get your insights on the data that's coming out of our research. Um, that brings us to the end of our Understanding the Buyer Journey podcast series. I hope you have enjoyed the discussions I've had with our guests each week. If you'd like to learn more, again, please head to our development hub online where you can download more information. And we look forward to bringing you more of the 2020 Insights uh, series over the next coming months. Thanks again, Cam. Thanks, Sarah. Not a problem. The podcast Faith on Trial looks into Hillsong, both in Australia and the U.S., and takes both the listener and hosts on unexpected twists and turns in the story of Brian Houston and the singing preachers. There are two incidents involving Pastor Brian. The Australian journalists uncovered a litany of alleged criminal behavior in the megachurch. Financial gifts were being given to the leaders of the church. Listen to Faith on Trial Hillsong ad-free on Crimex Plus us on Apple Podcasts today or wherever you get your podcasts.